Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we are exploring Cinderella, which is arguably the most important fairy tale of all time. It is ubiquitous and every human culture seems to have its own version of the story. Every version shares some common traits, but they also vary widely and sometimes they are wildly unique. I just finished reading a book titled Cinderella 29 Different Versions, The Ultimate Collection, published by Enhanced Media Publishing. It is an amazing collection of Cinderella-style fairy tales from many different oral and written story traditions around the world. It's interesting to see how much the stories are alike, as well as how they differ from each other. What is it about this particular story that makes it so universally popular? Let's listen to the story and then discuss it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Cinderella. Once upon a time, there lived a wealthy nobleman who had a beautiful wife and daughter. He loved his wife, but she died when their daughter was only seven years old. The father loved the child and did his best to raise her. But everyone told him that the little girl needed a mother and that it would be selfish of him not to remarry as soon as possible. A greedy woman with two daughters heard about the nobleman's predicament and decided to win his favor. She found the apple orchard where the nobleman's daughter liked to play and she took her daughters there every day to visit and pick apples. But her real reason for going was to worm her way into the little girl's heart and into the nobleman's family. The greedy woman showed the nobleman's daughter a mother's loving devotion and her daughters treated the little girl like a sister. After several weeks of this attention, the greedy woman told the girl that what she wanted more than anything was to become her real mother and to stay with her forever. I would love that more than anything, said the nobleman's daughter. Then you must tell your father about us, dear child. I want to get to know him better so that we can be friends. The greedy woman said this sweetly, and her daughters, who were just as devious as their mother, vowed to always love the nobleman's daughter like a sister. So the little girl went to her father and told him all about her new friends. Oh, father, she said, please marry again and give me a new mother. Since so many other people had been encouraging the nobleman to remarry and give his daughter a proper motherly upbringing, he decided to humor his child and meet the greedy woman and her daughters to see if she would be a suitable match. The woman came to dinner at the nobleman's house, dressed in her finest clothing, and her daughters were similarly attired. Their mother told them to be on their best behavior and follow her lead. The nobleman had his doubts about marrying again, but the conniving woman displayed an earnest, tender, motherly nature toward his beloved daughter, and she seemed very happy to receive the attention. The nobleman decided it would be selfish to deprive his daughter of a new mother and sisters. So the very next day, he sent a proposal of marriage to the rapacious woman, who accepted right away. The couple made quick preparations for their wedding, and within a month they held the ceremony, and the new wife and her daughters moved into the nobleman's mansion. At first, the nobleman's daughter was very happy to have a new mother and sisters living with her, but slowly, things began to change. 
the greedy stepmother, freed from the need to appear kindly, let her true, cruel nature shine through. She began berating the poor nobleman's daughter for any small infraction and assigned her all of the hardest work to clean and maintain their home. Her daughters pulled the girl's hair and called her names. At first, the nobleman objected to his new wife's treatment of his daughter, but she convinced him that her actions were necessary to prevent the girl from becoming vain and spoiled. She argued that the girl's beauty would corrupt her spirit and that she needed the ill treatment to prevent this. As all the girls in the family grew up, it became obvious that the nobleman's daughter was exceedingly beautiful, while her stepsister's ugly temperaments showed clearly on their sneering, unattractive faces. The beauty of the little girl made the cruel stepmother hate her stepdaughter even more. As the years went by, her treatment of the girl, whose beauty only grew with each passing year, became more and more cruel and unfair. The girl was forced to do heavy labor and to give up her room to her stepsisters. She had to sleep on the hearth at night, so her face and clothes were constantly dirty and covered with ash. Her stepmother and sisters tauntingly called her Cinderella. In the early days of the new marriage, the nobleman told his family he was going on a business trip and asked them what gifts they wanted him to bring back for them. One stepsister asked for a fine new clothes, and the other asked for jewels. And what do you want, my dear girl? He said to his own natural daughter. Just bring me the first twig that brushes against your head, father. The nobleman returned to his family and distributed the gifts to his daughter and stepdaughters. The two nasty stepsisters <laughs> ran off to their rooms to try on their treasures and the nobleman's daughter accepted the small twig her father gave her and slipped quietly outside, running to her mother's grave behind the house. There she planted the hazel twig on the grave, crying over it until the earth was soaked. Her dreams of a new loving mother and sisters had been destroyed by her stepmother's cruelty and her father's indifference, and she visited the grave often to pour out her grief. One day, in the seventh year of his marriage, the nobleman told his family that he had to leave on a very long trip because his investments in a distant land were not going well. He didn't know how long he would be gone, and he asked the wicked stepmother to care for his child while he was absent. He made no mention of the other two girls as he already knew of her devotion to her own spoiled daughters. The nobleman's daughter wept as she watched him ride away, because she knew that her treatment at the hands of her stepmother and sisters would be terrible, and soon it became worse than she could have ever imagined. Every morning, Cinderella, as they insisted on calling her, got up from her poor bed on the hearth before dawn to draw the water for her stepsisters' baths and to start cooking their breakfasts. While the two gluttonous sisters and their mother feasted, Cinderella gathered the family's dirty clothes and started her house-cleaning duties. Every evening, the girl had to chop wood and prepare the evening meal to exacting standards. Once the husband left, the cruel stepmother had dismissed most of the servants so that she could hold on to more of his money, insisting that she would run the house personally. But in truth, Cinderella did almost all of the work by herself. The nobleman's absence stretched to many months, and Cinderella despaired of ever seeing him again. 
Each night before she collapsed in exhaustion, Cinderella would sit next to her mother's grave and weep out her loneliness and frustration. One evening after a particularly hard day of work and a constant barrage of insults from her stepmother and sisters, she cried out, Oh mother, please help me. I am so lonely. As her tears flowed over the twig she had planted. All at once, a beautiful hazel tree grew up on the grave and two large birds with bright plumage sat in its branches. One of the birds opened its beak and spoke. If ever you have need of anything, dear child, just come here to your mother's grave and call us out. She sent us to take care of you. Cinderella gaped in amazement at the tree and the birds, and her heart felt light and unburdened in a way that she hadn't felt since her mother died. The very next day, an invitation came from the king's castle that the king was throwing a great ball to help his son, the prince, find his true love and make her his bride. All the young women in the kingdom were invited to the party. Cinderella's stepsisters were beside themselves with excitement over the news. They ran to and fro, talking loudly about what dresses they would wear and how they would do their hair. Their ambitious stepmother was determined to make a royal match for one of her daughters and to join the royal family herself. As the day of the ball approached, the stepsisters tried on dress after dress while their mother looked over them with an appraising eye. Finally, the day of the royal ball arrived and Cinderella mustered the courage to ask her stepmother if she could go to the palace with her stepsisters. The cruel woman looked her up and down and said, Yes, you may go to the ball. Cinderella's heart swelled with joy, but then her stepmother finished speaking. You may go to the ball as soon as you have picked up all of those lentils out of the hearth ashes and put them back in this bowl. So saying, she took a large bowl of dry lentils and threw them at the hearth, laughing. Her horrible daughters laughed and pointed at Cinderella. The youngest one said, she thought that we would be seen at a royal ball with a girl wearing cinder rags. The only thing you'll be adding to the prince's beautiful palace is our perfect hairstyles once you help us with our hair. Then you can start picking up those lentils. And the eldest said, I think the ugly cinder girl won't be going to the ball after all. Cinderella dutifully attended to her stepsister's needs and then left them to dress themselves for the ball. She tried to pick the lentils out of the ashes, but she knew it was an impossible task. Frustrated, she fled once more to her mother's grave and the tree that grew there. She cried and said, Please, mother, help me. I want to go to the ball, but I'll never be able to finish my work in time. The two birds appeared on the tree's branches and said, Do not cry, dear girl. Just go to the hearth and say, All good birds under heaven. Come to me and help me clean my hearth. Cinderella returned to the house and called the birds. Soon a large flock flew into the house and they picked all the lentils out of the ashes and placed them into the bowl Cinderella held before them and then they flew away. Cinderella went to her stepmother and showed her the bowl of lentils, but the woman just laughed at her and said that she couldn't go because she was too dirty and badly dressed. Cinderella returned crying to her mother's grave as the carriage carrying her cruel stepfamily rode away, and she called out to the tree for help. This time, when the birds appeared, 
They spoke to her in the voice of her own beloved mother. Do not cry, my child. You are going to the ball tonight. Just ask for whatever clothes and carriage you wish, then enjoy the ball. But remember one thing, you must return home before the final chime of midnight, because all of this finery will disappear at the last toll of the bell. Cinderella dried her tears and called out for a beautiful golden dress and matching gold slippers and a shining gold coach drawn by two brilliant white prancing horses with a coach driver in fine silk and satin livery. All of these appeared and she bathed and dressed in the splendid outfit and rode to the prince's ball. All eyes were upon Cinderella as she glided into the palace hall People gasped at the sudden appearance of such a beautiful stranger in their midst, and the prince hastened to escort her onto the dance floor. He danced every dance with her, and when other men tried to cut in, he would say simply, she is my partner, as he declined their advances. Cinderella's cruel stepsisters and mother stared open-mouthed at her, not recognizing the girl as the same one they tortured every day. They were jealous of all the attention she was getting from the prince. Cinderella had such a good time that she forgot to mind the clock. She heard the first chime of the midnight bell and she tore herself away from the confused prince and ran for the carriage. The prince dashed after her, calling for her name, but she didn't answer him. She jumped into the impressive carriage and rode off. One of her slippers fell off in her haste to climb into the carriage and the prince running after her picked it up. When he returned to the palace, he told the king that he would only marry the maiden who fit in the delicate slipper. So the king issued a proclamation that every young woman in the kingdom must try on the slipper, and whomever it fit, the prince would wed. Cinderella rushed back to her house, shedding her clothes and took her usual place among the ashes on the hearth. When her stepsisters and mother returned home, Cinderella yawned loudly and asked innocently, did anything wonderful happen at the ball? One of her stepsisters sneered and said, We saw the most beautiful woman who ever lived at the ball. She was obviously wealthy and of noble birth. It's nothing you would understand. She was the only one the prince would dance with all night, pouted the other. The rest of us didn't even get a chance. The next morning, the prince's entourage came to Cinderella's home, and a herald knocked on the door saying, the king has decreed that every young woman in the kingdom must try on this slipper. Anyone whose foot fits in the slipper will be the prince's bride. He held up a crimson velvet cushion with the delicate gold slipper perched upon it. The wicked stepmother's eyes gleamed as she stared hard at the prince who sat waiting atop his white horse. She took the shoe from the herald and went to her daughter saying to the eldest, put on this shoe and make it quick. You may yet win the prince. Hurry, he awaits you. Her daughter struggled to put on the small shoe, but it wouldn't fit. Her mother got a butcher knife from the kitchen. Cut off your big toe to make the shoe fit. You won't need to walk when you're a queen. The daughter did as she was asked and hobbled outside. When the prince saw her wearing the shoe, he thought he had found his bride. He placed her on the saddle before him and they started to ride off but the two birds from Cinderella's hazel tree flew along beside the prince and called, Look at the slipper, look at the slipper. It's filled with blood. She's not your bride. The prince looked down, and upon seeing the fresh blood gushing from the slipper, he turned his mount and returned the false bride to her house.
The herald asked, Is there another young woman here to try on the slipper? Yes, cried the greedy stepmother. My youngest girl will most certainly be the right one. She snatched the slipper, rinsed it clean, and brought it inside the house, ordering the younger daughter to put it on. The youngest stepsister jammed her toes into the slipper, but her heel wouldn't fit. Once more, the wicked stepmother brought forth the butcher knife. Cut off your heel, girl, and make it quick. The prince awaits. You won't need to walk when you are a queen. The spoiled girl winced, but she obeyed, slicing off her heel with the sharp blade and slipping her bleeding foot into the slipper. Once again, the prince rode off with the wrong girl, and the birds followed, crying out, You've done it again, you've done it again. The bride is false, and the blood is overflowing the slipper. The prince, seeing the fresh blood a second time, returned the lying girl to her dishonest mother. Finally, he spoke. Are there no other maidens here? he asked. Alas, there are none, your highness, said the mother. Now, you'd better take your men and leave. The prince started to turn away when he heard a loud thumping and muffled cries coming from inside the house. He rushed inside and followed the sound to the wood box next to the hearth. He drew his sword and cut off the lock, opening the box to find Cinderella crouched and crying inside. He called for his herald who brought the freshly rinsed slipper. The prince watched as Cinderella not only easily fitted the slipper onto her delicate foot, but also pulled the matching slipper out of the tattered pocket of her ash-covered apron and placed it on her other foot. The prince looked deeply into Cinderella's eyes and saw the woman he had danced with at the ball and his own true love. He escorted her outside, and as they mounted the prince's horse, the jealous stepmother and sisters looked on in loathing, their eyes burning with rage and envy. While they stared, the two hazel tree birds flew down and plucked out their jealous eyes, and they lived the rest of their days in darkness. The prince and his new bride rode off together, and they lived happily ever after. The End I hope you enjoyed the story of Cinderella. There's a lot to discuss about its origins, so let's dive right in. The version of Cinderella that most people in America know is Charles Perrault's version from the 1700s, which is derivative of the Italian version, The Cat Cinderella by Giambattista Basile. Basile's heroine was called Zizola. Perrault softened the edges of Basile's story and he elaborated on the love and forgiveness ending. But Cinderella is a tale with many different variations from almost every geographic location and civilization. The Grimm brothers also published a version that shares things in common with both Basile's and Perrault's versions called Ashputtle. My version follows most of the conventions in the Grimm brothers' original story. Every culture, as I mentioned, seems to have its own Cinderella story. They all share common themes of repression by an unjust parent figure, usually a stepmother, a kind, loving child, usually a stepdaughter, who is abused, and a transformation involving a disguise or new clothing. Then, inevitably, true love's triumph, usually because a piece of the protagonist's disguise, like the slipper, reveals the identity of the abused child to her paramour. One, if not the, oldest variant of Cinderella is the Greek story of Rhodopis, where a slave girl ends up marrying a king. 
This story was written by Strabo sometime between seven years before the common era of human history and 23 ACE. Even within one author's version of this story, there can be variations. In Perrault's story, Cinderella's slipper is described as being made of glass, but that description is probably a mistranslation of the French word verre, V-E-R-R-E, which translates as glass, being substituted for the French word verre, V-A-I-R. Verre, V-A-I-R's meaning at the time Perrault wrote Cinderella was understood to be a word for a specific type of weasel fur product. So your childhood fantasy about going to a fancy ball in delicate glass slippers should probably really have been a fantasy of you looking beautiful in a ball gown with your feet stuffed into a couple of weasel hides. The slippers in most of the variations of the story are silver, gold, or some other precious fabric in, embellished with jewels. Similarly, the godmother character of Perrault's story appears in only a few other versions. Most of the other Cinderella's patrons come in the form of magical trees or birds or the ghost of Cinderella's mother. In my version, I use the popular device of having a magical tree grow on Cinderella's mother's grave. The tree embodies Cinderella's mother and serves as protection and a source of material comfort and care for her. It doesn't really matter who provides the Cinderella character with her beautiful gowns in the many variations. The common theme is that the abused daughter must disguise herself to ultimate, ultimately win her happiness. In some of the stories, there's a Cinderella hiding in animal skins or even in cloaks made of wooden slats. As women, a lot of us hide in clothes and makeup to present the image we want others to judge us by. I think the story acknowledges that practice and emphasizes that true love and true beauty is more than skin deep and that those who love us will see our true value ultimately. In some of the stories, the stepsisters aren't even described as physically unattractive. They just have ugly hearts. At the end of every Cinderella, the prince or love interest recognizes the girl he fell in love with at the ball, even when she's dressed in rags and covered with soot. That is with, with the help of a slipper or other article of clothing. There are also Cinderella stories that are Cinderfella stories with a male protagonist, like the story of Nezniak or Know Nothing from a Russian fairy tale, where the title character is also running from an abusive stepmother and has to hide out disguised as a scarecrow until he can win the heart of a princess with his brave deeds. Several versions of Cinderella feature a heroine running from an unacceptable suitor, and several involve an incestuous side plot where a girl is running from a forced marriage with her own father or some other brutish thug. The more gory, violent elements are missing entirely from Perrault's version of the story and the subsequent Disney-esque variations, but there are thousands of versions of Cinderella and some of them are downright scary. When you think of Cinderella, the words gouging, incest, cannibalism, mutilation, and murder don't usually spring to mind but there are more Cinderella-type stories featuring these elements than there are the Disney-style stories. A number of versions tell of a witch or an evil woman with magical powers who turns Cinderella's true mother into an animal, cow, deer, fish, etc., then orders the mother animal be killed and served up for the family to eat. In those stories, the Cinderella character does not eat her mother, but faithfully buries the bones and prays over the spot, and the spirit of the mother lives there and helps her out. 
The myriad versions of Cinderella also have numerous gory ways to punish the evil stepmother and stepsisters, including having their eyes gouged out, which I included in my story just for old times sake. And in one version, the prince tricks the stepmother into eating one of her own children as a punishment, the so shock of which kills her. It can be very difficult to find all of the versions of Cinderella intact. The Grimm Brothers' original version has been modified by many of their publishers over the years to leave out the self-mutilation and eye-plucking in the original to make the story more palatable to children, but it's worthwhile looking for the originals. The Grimm version I read as a child had the original gory parts, but my recent search for that version online and in various collections of the stories was difficult to find. I finally found the original source uh, online from a more reliable scholarly source. I highly advise that if you are a fairy tale fan, and you wouldn't be here if you weren't, that you seek out the rich variety of these stories and meet me again soon for another story in Fable City Radio.